Well, hey, everybody, and uh, happy Baptism Sunday. Again, welcome to all uh, friends, family, guests, neighbors, uh, people getting baptized. It's really exciting. Really, it's my favorite Sunday of the year uh, as people uh, give their lives to Jesus in baptism. I'm super excited. Um, and I missed you. For those of you who were, were here last week, I missed you. Uh, my family and I, we were out on vacation. Well, more of a, a visit with my uh, daughter. We did, took some time to vacation uh, in Redding, California, which is Northern California. And if you've never been out to the Northern coast of California, I mean, man, it is beautiful. I know talking to some of you have taken that drive down that route one drive where the coast, where you have the mountains on one side and the ocean on the other. I mean, oh my goodness, it is so beautiful. So I'd encourage you to check it out some of them if you haven't, but I heard last week went great. So special thanks to to Ben Mel and the, uh, the crew that led worship, if it was just him, I don't know who, and everyone who shared a God story. So I heard there was lots of stories. Um, we don't record that service, but I, I just want to thank everyone who shared. So it was just a great opportunity. We, from time to time, often, in most of our services, we have a God story segment where we share, but we had like nine or something last week. So uh, we're going to jump in and save some time for baptisms, which are happening right after this. So we'll end, and then we'll all go right outside so that water's getting ready. We even have a little um, uh, heating element to help make it not as shocking cold. <laughs> so if you're thinking about getting baptized, we're, we're trying to do our best to, to make it as palatable for everybody. But anyway, uh, the reason, one of the main motivations for going out to California, our family, we visited our daughter who was, um, she's moved out of the house, moved all the way to California, so we miss her. She's not coming home for the summer. We might not see her until, I don't know, Christmas or something. But she just celebrated her first year graduation from a school out there, a ministry school uh, called Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry, where she's learning with other people from all around the world. Actually, the thing I learned is that 40% of the students are from different countries. Brazil, there's a lot from, uh, from Germany, I mean, everywhere. It's really, she's getting great experience, exposed to a lot of beautiful people. Um, one of our fun little events that we did is we took this nature hike through one of those, uh, it was Lake Shasta up north there. It's just this beautiful hike um, we have a lot of beautiful hiking up here, but it was also very unique in terms of the uh, landscape. And so our family, all six of us, took that little walk together, uh, which, was, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then another highlight was visiting Bethel Church. How many, just curious, how many people have heard of this church, Bethel? Maybe half of us? Okay, so Bethel, it's a pretty uh, famous church. They've been producing a lot of uh, worship music, and I've had it in my heart or in my mind to go visit at some point because... It, one of the things for me that's inspiring, I mean, I love the worship music that's coming out of there, but I've just heard so many stories of God doing miraculous things, uh, healing people, and it's a culture where people can come, come as they are and really be healed. Uh, and my daughter, myself, going through this program has experienced a lot of healing for her, and it, it, they're like well advanced, maybe 50 years, 40 years ahead of us in terms of really pursuing a place, a community where people can come and find healing. And so it's been exciting to experience that. A lot of energy, a lot of young people from all across the world. When you, you have a lot of young people who are passionate about Jesus together, worshiping God, I mean, it is high energy and a lot of passion. Um, but as you get to know folks, too, they're, they're folks just like us, many of us who've been, you know, have broken lives and difficult situations and things going on that, that make us desperate for, for more of Jesus. So I got to know some of the individuals. It really is incredible. So um, it's, it's fun to kind of see some other brothers and sisters of a different ch church movement and to bless them and to receive what God's been doing in their lives. So as we move on in our church, the movement, actually, we're part of the Vineyard Church movement. There's over 500 across uh, the U.S. and about 2,500 to 3,000 churches worldwide as we are part of a, a vineyard, a movement of churches called the Vineyard Movement. 
But what we're doing is we're going through a sermon series called Empowered um, with Vineyard Churches. So all churches, a lot of Vineyard Churches across the uh, U.S. are doing this together, leading up to Pentecost Sunday, which is coming up in two weeks. So that'll be interesting and a lot of fun, I think, as we join with other Vineyard Churches. But the idea is to, coming off of Resurrection Sunday, off Easter, how does the Holy Spirit, the question is, how does the Holy Spirit empower us to live these resurrection-filled lives, actual power, that, that power that rose Jesus from the dead, and uh, it's, it's happening. Um, a lot, two weeks ago, Teresa spoke about uh, healing, how the Holy Spirit empowers us to bring healing to people, and deliverance, and that was, that was a great message. I encourage you to check it out if you haven't, and she shared some of her, uh, it was wonderful, Teresa. It, I mean, man, it was full of power. I loved it. But uh, check, oh, it wasn't recorded, that's what you said. Uh, so you can't check it out. All right, well, so you're going to have to ask somebody to tell you their version of the sermon to check it out. I, I, I forgot. That was about, yeah, we can send you the notes. But not, not nearly as, 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 as potent as coming out of Teresa and all the passion that she has uh, to share. So um, anyway, but we can do, we'll, we'll revisit that topic again and again because it is part of the DNA and what we feel called to do as a church is to build to be a community of healing. And listen, I'm excited because it's happening. The healing is happening. People are f- experiencing freedom and deliverance. And I think we're just on the, on the cusp of something even greater that God wants us to do. Um, and it gets me up in the morning, and it's really exciting. So what I want to talk to you about today, and it's something I experienced while uh, out of Bethel, but in here in our own community, I want to talk to you about something um, that, that I've experienced myself, really connected even... I believe is a prophetic um, illustration in my walk that I took, that nature hike. But I want to talk to you about spiritual thirst today, spiritual thirst. Um, and I want to ask you a few questions too. So if you're like most people, you might not even realize that you're spiritually dehydrated. And I want to kind of get you thinking along those lines today as we look to the Holy Spirit to kind of quench that thirst. So I want to give you a little test. I want to thank Ruth Haley Barton, one of my new favorite authors. She's great, um, speaks about a lot of formational, spiritual formational kind of things. She's written several books. But I want to ask you if you've ever experienced any of the following. Okay, so I'm just list that. Just take a little mental checklist. Okay, have you ever experienced uh, above normal level hypersensitivity? So for example, small things that shouldn't really bother you that much really bother you. You might explode or you might just be fuming on the inside. Maybe a child makes a mistake and you just blow up, up at them. Or, um, you know, someone drives not quite the right way and you just want to flip them the bird. You want to give them a double bird. If you had more birds than two, you would flip those birds at them or you would throw birds at them. So you know what I'm saying? There's just like a hypersensitivity that comes out. Certainly, um, I'm going to confess, there, I may have done that. Uh, once uh, in the past uh, couple weeks because he gave me the bird first, so I just had to give it back, give, send it back to him. Um, but anyway, that's a, that's a conf- confession. I repented. I repented of it. Have you ever experienced restlessness? For example, you know, when it's time to rest, you ever find it's hard to sit still? It's hard to settle down. Um, you can't sit quietly or even falling asleep is difficult because of you have so much mental activity just coming and coming and coming. Might be another sign that you're spiritually dehydrated. How about this? Compulsive overworking. Have you ever had the experience, and certainly I have, where you can't stop working, even when it would be appropriate, like on a vacation to California, 
or you know, when you're trying to get ready for bed after work, or you're checking email incessantly, it's just, you just constantly find yourself going back to work again and again. And it's hard to spend that uninterrupted time with friends or family or neighbors. How about this? How about emotional numbness? Maybe there's times, or right now, you're in a place where you can't just, it's hard to feel anything. Whether it's good or bad, you just don't, you don't feel, or it's hard to, to really feel. And it takes a lot of energy just to process basic emotions. Have you ever been in that place? You know, or maybe part of that is that you're afraid to stop and experience your emotions because you might be overwhelmed. And so you're, you result to just avoiding people altogether. You minimize your people uh, interactions because you know that there's, there's, a numb, there's an emotional response that you have. Here's a couple more. How about this one? Escapist behaviors. So like when there's a break in the action, what's the, is the first thing you do? Do you go to check your social media feed? Or do you like try to eat or drink a lot or something? Or maybe pornography? Or you just can't do simple things like take a walk with a family member or connect meaningfully because you're stuffing it with, with these other unhealthy kind of escape, escapist kind of behaviors. And then finally, um, one that we might all experience is you might experience a kind of a slippage or really a passivity or an apathy towards spiritual practices in your life. Meaning that spiritual practices that might have given you encouragement, inspiration, or connection with God, like prayer or solitude or silence or going for a nature walk, whatever that might be, that those things, uh, you know, just become burdensome uh, and you do it as if it were a chore. You don't really feel like doing any of those things at all. So how'd you do on the, on the quiz? So those are just some examples. Uh, we could, there's a whole lot more we could list, but if you've experienced any of those things, it's very possible that you might be experiencing spiritual dehydration. And if that's the case, you fall into, I think most of us can say confidently, yeah, but I've been there, or I am there right now. And the good news is, as we go through our Empowered series here, and what we're going to talk about today, is that the Holy Spirit is present, and He wants to meet us right where we are. Right where you are, the Holy Spirit wants to encounter you and quench that thirst that you have, even if you don't know that you've had it. And that man, that nature walk, it was, it was hot, blazingly hot, more than I would, had been used to. And I got really thirsty. And, I, and you, know, you know what it's like to be physically thirsty, but to be spiritually thirsty is a whole other thing. And it impacts every dimension of our soul. So let's we'll do this. Let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to look at a scripture here, uh, the good news of what the Holy Spirit has to do for us. So Holy Spirit, as we look at your word and listen attentively, we pray that the spiritual thirst that people, we have brought in today. I pray that to whatever degree possible in this time, right here and now, that you would quench and that you would saturate and that you would inundate us with more of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us, renew us, restore us, and transform us. By the powerful name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the scene, um, one of the um, key scriptures in understanding uh, Jesus' response and his, his, uh, his, his gift of the Holy Spirit comes 
during a decisive time in, uh, during a festival that Jesus attended. It's called the, uh, the, the Feast of Tabernacles um, or the Feast of Booths. And this was a, a celebration that God had commanded his people, the Jewish people, to celebrate to help remind them of their time in the wilderness. So if you know your, um, your Jewish Bible a little bit, the Old Testament, the Jewish people were exiled into the wilderness uh, after, after a time of, of deliverance from Egypt, but they wandered around 40 days and 40 nights in tents, um, not having a, a consistent place to stay because of the rebellion against God. And in the, the wilderness, it's not an easy place. There's not, there's not even porta bodies out there. There's no electricity. There's nothing. Even for the societies back then, the wilderness was a place of danger. It was a place of death, and it was not a place you wanted to go. That's where people went to die, the animals went to die. So it represented a place of real hunger and thirst and desperation. And this whole entire um, celebration where they would physically set up little booths. So they would make these makeshift little, they would take their tarps, or they would take tree leaves or whatever they had, just whatever materials they had, and make these booths and stay in them to remind them of that period of time in their life. And so what Jesus is doing is during this celebration, and people gathered in Jerusalem just like they would have Passover, so it was you know, tens of thousands of people gathered to celebrate this way, um, to remind themselves of this wilderness period. Uh, and this is where Jesus comes. And so we can consider this uh, contextually, um, Jesus speaking into the wilderness of his people, both historically and present. And you, if you experience any of those spiritual, those things that are signs of, of thirst, you might be right now in what you would call a wilderness period in your life. And there are times when we are led into the wilderness and then times when we walk ourselves into the wilderness, even though God didn't put us there. And uh, whether, whether you're led there by the Spirit, like Jesus was during the 40 uh, days and nights of fasting, or because of your own decisions that you've made, uh, this is what Jesus would say, I think, to each one of us, as he did to the people. And it's, it's um, quite a beautiful verse. So let's take a look. Um, look here. John 7, verse, uh, verses 37. Let's, let's look at what it said. All right, so if you could... Uh, Flip through the slides for me. I think there's two here. Okay, so on the last and greatest day of the festival, so this is the, the culmination of it, Jesus actually comes late to the party on purpose. And Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. But up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And I mean, when we went on that nature hike with my kids, I mean, none of them, I don't know why. I think I may have mentioned it. Maybe I forgot to mention it. You should bring water when you go somewhere hot. But nobody bring water, brought water Except, well, Daddy-O did. Old daddy and I had my two things that I brought, and I thought maybe some, maybe one of my kids or family members uh, would forget the water. And so they were like, oh. getting back, it was like two hours later, and they're all like, you could tell like they were thirsty. Some of my kids were like, Dad, I'm so thirsty. Well, did you bring water? You know? But I, I announced to them in a loud voice, my children, 
My water I give to you. Freely I give. Freely receive I, I freely give. And they gulped. I mean, it was just like, hoping that they would save a little bit. I think I did take a little sip before they did, just knowing. You know, that was, it was good. you learn after a while of parenting how, how these things work. But listen, when you're thirsty, I mean, there's almost nothing better in life in that moment. If you're really thirsty and parched, uh, to drink and gulp down water, it is so satisfying. And this Jesus is meeting this very present need, but of course on a deeper level. And it says once um, Jesus had been glorified that this, this was going to happen, that this pouring out of the Spirit, the time of the Spirit had not been given. And what that means is when Jesus had been glorified, other translations mean he's lifted up. But that's a reference to actually Jesus on the cross. His glorification is his time uh, on the cross, his death on the cross. And so there was this in God's providence and his timing, the sins of the world needed to be addressed. So God addressed the sins of the world. He died on the cross, making a way for God to be made, uh, for God and humanity to be made right in a relationship with one another. And then after that had happened, so that was the first step before this very great thing that was going to happen, before the Spirit was poured out. So it was like the first step. So Jesus himself. Many, we, we see throughout scripture that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that was written out in the Bible. However, it didn't stop there. It wasn't actually physically Jesus walking on the earth, dying and then risen from the dead. That, was, that all had to happen according to the scriptures. But it wasn't the last step. The last culmination was actually coming at Pentecost when that paved the way for the spirit of God to be poured out on all of humanity. And so Jesus was prophesying about this great and wonderful experience that would happen as he invites all of us to overflow with the Spirit. And that's the invitation. The invitation that God gives to all of us really today is to be filled with the Spirit. That God invites each of us, not just to be filled with the Spirit, but to be saturated and overflowing. He says rivers, not just one river. If you've ever gotten in a river, it's got a lot of water in it. But this is multiple rivers flowing from within. So this is a pretty dramatic picture that Jesus is painting for us here. And so that today that invitation is given. The invitation is for you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, the invitation is for you to come and drink of the rivers of life, to come and experience the power of the Spirit. And that impacts people in different ways and at different times. And really this is, I believe that um, what I experienced, so along halfway through the hike, our parents, uh, as parents, we stopped and we give our kids a chance to couple of our kids, I won't say which ones, but a couple of them wanted to jump into the lake. And so we're like, all right, go ahead, you know, jump all in. And we, the, the four uh, of us who didn't, we sat miserably on the side with the, the sun bearing on us. And these other two, two people uh, <laughs> just jumped, <laughs> they jumped in and were frolicking and, you know, dressed appropriately for getting in the water, and they were having a blast. They were enjoying themselves so much, but we were just getting more and more thirsty and more and more dry and more and more parched. Um, but I believe that that was, I, God spoke to me through that experience, and it was even in a conversation that I had with my, with my friend Jamie the other day, who's on our council, he, he, he saw our church sitting at the precipice of a pool or a lake of a big body of water, and some of us are put, like, putting our toe in it, and we're kind of like, we want to, but others are jumping in and frolicking. There's some people sitting on the side, just kind of like not wanting to go in. But I do believe, just from in our local congregation here, I believe it is, is symbolic of what's going on in the larger body of Christ as well. But 
I'm the pastor of this church, and so God, so what I feel like God is asking our church, this community, and those who have gathered here, is to not just sit on the sideline and be miserable in the heat and watching maybe a couple uh, enthusiastic uh, young people kind of frolic and enjoy the spiritual things. We're all invited to jump in. And listen, it is, it's messy. It's dirty. My kids got in there. It is muddy. Uh, there were rocks in there. It was kind of cold. It took a while to adjust, but it, but it was a blast. But we're all invited to jump but jump in, but we, we hold back. We, we're, there's things that are in us that keep us from going all in with, with what the Spirit has for us, myself included. And I, I, I mean, I knew it was, I was sitting on the sideline, and I was like, hey, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go, guys. Can we, I need to get back. I'm starting to get parched here. But there's only certain, and this is like representative of what it's like within even the body of Christ or even in the world today. There's some people who are just like, hey, I am all in, and I am going to, give myself fully, and I'm going to dive in and experience the fullness of, of the water. And others just like, you know, no thanks. I'd just rather sit here in my comfort. Uh, I've, I, don't know what to, I don't know if there's going to be fish or is gonna, eels are going to come get me. You know, am, am I going to get dirty, you know, dirt between my toes? And what's it going to be like when I'm walking back? And, you know, the thing that holds, I believe, that's holding a lot of us, a lot of us back, and I'm, I'm just away from this amazing promise of being filled and overflowing with the presence of God is, is fear. It's fear. So Psalm 23, which is about this picture, uh, which is sort of the blueprint for God that God's given us for our churches. Psalm 23 is about these sheep that are being led by a shepherd, a good shepherd. But one of the key lines there is that he leads me beside still waters. And the reason why a shepherd has to lead a sheep by a still water is because sheep get freaked out. They won't drink from any moving water. It has to be like perfectly still the, the conditions have to be perfect for them to drink. They just get spooked real easily. And that fear, those fears are in each of us, and they can manifest themselves in, in a myriad of ways, in a whole, whole lot of ways. You know, it might be fear of what my people might think of us if we're going to be passionate about God or about the Holy Spirit. Um, many times it could be a fear of releasing control of our own lives, to, to the Holy Spirit, which is, which is really unknown. And, or it could just be fear of unknown. And what I found, too, in, in pastoring, and I, I know that other um, people in ministry have found, and even uh, I've seen it again and again, is that people will often cling to the known hell in their lives instead of embracing the unknown reality of heaven that awaits them because it's a familiarity. And so you, people are afraid of what's unknown, and perhaps part of that is fear of letting the Spirit into the deep places of our soul. Because it, guess what happens? When you let the Holy Spirit do that, it is messy. It gets really messy because we're messy people. And if you just like things nice and neat, you order, you have your, your walk with God, and it has this compartment and that compartment, and you've walled them off, you can do that. And actually, the Spirit of God gives you complete permission to experience as much or as little of him as you like. You can invite. There's an invitation. See, it's a relationship, and relationships don't work through manipulation. God does not work by manipulating us. He works through invitation, by experience. And that's, that's what love does. Love works through invitation, not manipulation. The Spirit of God does not want to manipulate us. And so it's always a loving invitation for us to, to come and have 
have more. But sometimes we just don't want to face those feelings. So let me, I want to talk a little bit about feelings too because I've had several discussions with many of you, um, even myself I've processed this, about feelings. Um, you know, you might be right in saying, okay, or you could say, you know, what do feelings matter? You know, you just, the whole, you just do follow the truth logically that God tells us to do. And yes, we follow the Holy Spirit, you know, if we feel one way, but the Holy Spirit prompts us to go another way, it would be advisable to do what God is telling us to do, right? So we don't follow our feelings often. Often it's the opposite of the way we feel, the way we feel. However, it doesn't mean that our experience of the Holy Spirit is without feeling. There is something to the experience and feeling that, that when it comes to the Holy Spirit that's important. So nowhere in the Bible do you find an instance, okay, of someone encountering the Holy Spirit but, but has a kind of response that says, I felt nothing, I had no a sense of God whatsoever, but I'm just going to take it in faith that God, the Holy Spirit, showed up and I'm just going to go on um, as, I, as I have been. Let me give you an illustration, okay? So um, even the, I experienced this a little bit yesterday. You probably, if you're married, okay, if you're, and if you're married, you could probably relate to this. So I'm married, and um, you probably would think it would be appropriate in some instances if, if my wife wanted to give me a kiss, but I was busy working on something, and, I was, and I, this kind of happens. I'm like shuffling around. I'm just focused on what I got to do. That it, it would be appropriate for me to stop what I'm doing, even though I'm focused on that, even though it wasn't an issue, and to kiss my wife. That would be an appropriate thing. Or same with her. She's, she's doing her thing, and I want to give her a kiss or a hug. It would be appropriate for her, even though she's not like, that's not the main thing she's focused on or feeling it in the moment, to, to turn and give me a big hug as well. Okay? So that, that's said. But if I kissed my wife, so there's a sense of like doing it, even though you're not feeling it to some degree, but if I kissed my wife or gave her a big hug and, my, and I just didn't feel anything, and as if like my interactions with her, as I was doing it, I said something to Jess like, Jess, as I gaze into your beautiful eyes, I feel an icy cold nothingness. <laughs> it is absolute deadness and obligation of which I will give you this kiss upon your lips. And that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I base this truth, this kiss on the truth that we are married to one another, which was a commitment I made 20 years ago. Mm. <laughs> what did you say? There was like something wrong with my relationship at that point, right? You know, when in our relationship, yet yeah, there's times where I've done something that's offensive, and that affects her feelings, and she might not want to give me a hug or a kiss, or where she's offended me, and it makes me less, uh, you know, my feelings less so to, to give her a hug, hug and a kiss. There's, there's things that affect our feelings. If there's something between us, there's offenses that happen between us. And so there's offenses that happen between us and God as well. There's things that get in the way of our feelings towards God. And if there's something between you and God, it could be fear. It could be some kind of sin one way or another. The way we get out of that, the way we turn away from that is, to, is through repentance and confession. That's simply turning away from the things that have offended God and turning back toward him as Jesus offers us his salvation and his freedom and, and, and forgiveness through the cross. 
And so if you've, if you've done something to offend God, and you know that, you realize that, you know, there might be something that's unconfessed in your life. There might be some fear. There might be some kind of sin. There might be ways that you have stepped purposefully away from God, perhaps into a wilderness, and it's God's grace to give you awareness of that, that's going to impact your ability to feel and walk with the Spirit. It's going to actually impact your feelings. This is what Jesus, uh, Peter, Peter said to the crowd as he preached about Jesus. Uh, this was during the time of, right after that time of Pentecost, the, the Holy Spirit had been poured out. There's thousands that had just been convicted by their sin, by the Spirit, uh, and because they realized their offense that they had committed towards God. And this is what Peter says uh, in Acts 2.38, if you want to pull that up. He says this, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so the first step in experiencing more of God's Holy Spirit, this great and precious promise that we all have, is to making yourself right with God, is to turning back to God. It's, it's, to, uh, it's to give yourself fully and completely to him. And, you know, if you've never completely surrendered your life to Jesus, today's just as good of a time to do it as any. In fact, we're having a baptism, and in baptism, what we say, the symbol, symbolism of baptism, which is immersion, which means immersion, that's a word baptize means, it means to fully immerse, to fully saturate, to fully dunk yourself, to give yourself fully and wholly over to Jesus himself. And that is the first step to experiencing the life-giving freedom that comes from the Spirit. And if you aren't a believer, you haven't given yourself fully to Jesus, you can experience God's grace. You can experience uh, this, the Spirit of God working in your life, but not this great and precious promise from John 7, the streams of life that come within you, that, that stream up to living waters of life that not only give you life, but life, life to others. That great and precious promise is reserved for those who have fully given themselves and, and by God's grace, confess faith in Jesus who have made it right and made, made people right again with God. So, you know, if some of you, although others, maybe you've been in church and you give, put your faith in Jesus, but you were told at some point or another that it's dangerous to have feelings when it, or in regards to God. You know, maybe you've been afraid of feeling God's presence or someone told you it was dangerous to experience, to have experiences with the Holy Spirit because you don't want to be like those people or you don't want to yell out something in the middle of a church service like that would happen anywhere. But the Holy Spirit can actually be helped. And as part of the vineyard, we stand in a long line of people who expect to have an experience with the actual presence of God in the here and now. When Jesus said he would send his spirit, he would pour it out. It is something that is meant to be lived, to, to impact the actual details and the souls and the issues and the struggles and to meet and to quench the spiritual thirst that each of us have and that we all live with without, without him. And that happens through what we could call a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of... Um, there has been a lot of debate historically about what the baptism of the Spirit is. But again, baptism simply means that word is full immersion. That's what, that's what the baptism is. And so throughout our life in the Spirit, and because God invites us to be fully immersed with the Spirit, we can have multiple baptisms. We can experience multiple 
immersions into God's presence. That happens as we put our faith in Jesus, but again and again, we can have these moments um, in being uh, finding the immersion into his presence. And really, that looks different for each person. You know, I've struggled with this. I, you know, there are, te- there are churches that teach uh, that unless you speak in tongues, that you're not even a Christian. Or unless you have the gift of tongues, you haven't experienced the baptism of the Spirit. Um, and I've, I've read through some of that. I've had some of those conversations and prayer experiences that weren't, didn't seem quite right. I, I, and I don't have the gift of being able to speak in tongues. However, scripturally speaking, the greatest sign, the sign that you are filled with the Spirit, you are overflowing with the Spirit, you know the greatest sign that the Spirit is? is love. Love is the primary fruit of the Spirit. And while it is very clear scripturally that if someone is speaking in tongues by the power of the Spirit, that is a sign that you are filled with the Spirit. Really, clearly what God wants to do most is produce that fruit of love. And what does John say? Is that, that love casts out all fear. And it's in that place of love and understanding our love relationship with the Spirit that we can overcome those, those, those fears. You know, I've had plenty of experiences with the Holy, even though I've never really had, I can't stand up here and tell you if I had any dramatic experiences with the Holy Spirit myself. They've all been, for me, quite subtle. And in fact, there's like a sense of peace this past, um, and I feel like I'm being filled to overflowing. On our way out to California, um, we almost missed the flight completely because for whatever reason, our airlines, they sent us down to Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia, back up to JFK, then over to Sacramento. So I don't know why that was. Actually, I think I know why. It's because I paid like got the cheapest ones using our airline miles. And so they're like, okay, let's give this guy the the cheap version. But we went down pointlessly to Virginia and we're supposed to go up, but JFK, everything was backed up. Something was a problem. So we were just sitting in the airport and we were going to miss our flight out there. So I just sent out a couple of prayer requests. Dad, Grace, who are some family members, Um, maybe Kevin, you know, Kevin gets all these crazy prophetic words, so I thought maybe Kevin will have something to, to share with me. But anyway, I, I could, in the moment, I still was standing in the line at American Airlines, and they were supposed to show up. They weren't. But all of a sudden, I was, well, I felt this like overwhelming sense of peace and warmth. I was just standing in the middle of this line in, in, in the airport, and I was like, wow, I, have, I am like the most peaceful I've ever felt in my life out of nowhere. And I was like, people must be praying for me. It's almost like this heavenly portal opened up. And, but the way I felt, it wasn't like I fell down or started screaming, but it was like a, a, a supernatural peace that I couldn't really explain. And the Bible talks about like a peace that goes beyond understanding. It was quite an incredible experience in a very mundane situation. And of course, God, God worked it out for us. And it was, but it's moments like that, baptisms, fillings, immersion of the spirit that only are possible through the presence of God. And he wants to meet us, not just in these, you know, mountain, what you call mountaintop experiences, but God wants to pour out his presence on us right in the midst of the wilderness. So you might be walking in the wilderness now. You might be spiritually thirsty, but Jesus promises to give us his spirit, to walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death, where there's death and thirst and difficulty, and it's right in the midst of that that he will pour out his presence on each of us. So I want to end with this. Just give you a couple invitations. Can you pull up 1 Corinthians 12, 13? 
Paul says we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Greeks or Jews, slave or free, we're all given one spirit to drink. So here's the bottom line. Listen, the spirit of God, no matter what your experience has been, no matter what your theology has been or what you've been taught, is a gift that Jesus himself has promised to those who profess faith in him. And he wants you not just to like dip your toe in his prayer. He, he wants you to be filled and overflowing throughout your whole life, particularly in those times. And so if you have not yet fully given yourself to God, to Jesus, that would be the first step. If you want to experience the fullness of what Jesus has for you and what the Holy Spirit can do in your life, that would be a first step. And today, guess what? We're having baptisms, and so you can, you can get baptized. And we even have extra clothes and towels for you so you don't have to go home sopping wet uh, in, in, your, in your wet clothing. But we want to invite you into that, that life today as we celebrate people giving their lives, fully immersing their lives into the presence of, 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 of the Holy Spirit. And then if you're a believer, um, the last word of encouragement is this from Ephesians 5. Paul writes this, and it's an alert uh, that he's describing what this new life is like. He says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So people of God, it's time to set aside whatever it is it's not quenching our thirst. Kind of like, uh, you know, drinking soda. You're thirsty, but you drink a lot of soda. You're drinking a lot of Coke. Hey, I like Coke like, like the next guy. But it's not going to quench your thirst. It's time to set aside the soft drinks, set aside the things that are not fulfilling us, whatever that might be, and to give ourselves fully to drinking of the Spirit. And so if you want to take next steps, one thing I would encourage you to do, and one thing that I've seen in my daughter's life that is helping her more than almost anything is to get yourself involved in relationships and in community and with people who can be your, well, let's call them your drinking buddies. I want to encourage you to get some drinking buddies, okay? And don't take it out of context, okay? You know what I'm talking about. Get yourself around people who are not only thirsty for more God's presence, but are drinking and are overflowing. And the way you do that, start off with, with worship. Worship is one of the primary ways. People you can worship with, people you can sing songs with, you can share what the Spirit is saying with people, you can give thanks with. And as you do, you will cultivate this heart of thanksgiving and praise, which will well up like eternal life to you, not only for yourself, but for the other people. Because ultimately, it's not just about us, but God wants you to overflow for the sake of the world, the people that, the people that Jesus died for, so that they too can taste and experience the life of the Spirit. So we're going to do this now, and then we're going to go out and celebrate this baptism. We'll give them a couple, a minute or two to get dressed, but we'll start making our way up there. We're going to, let's stand. Let's stand together. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit just to come. Let's just take a moment, and I'm going to ask God to, to fill us up, and we're going to ask God to immerse us in however and whatever way he wants to. So you might, I'd encourage you right now, if you want to position yourself in a posture to receive, um, you could lift your hands. We can bow your head. Whatever, what we do physically reflects the spiritual reality of, of where we are. And so it's a, it's a way that we can posture ourselves before God.
So let's take a moment and let's just ask God to refill now and to quench those places that are thirsty.